Welcome back to the Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert Hazelton, and I'll be your host. Today, I want to talk about the things that are available on my coffee site. I'm going to talk about the outer worlds, and I'm going to talk about some gaming news as well. Got a lot to talk about, so I'm going to dive right in. The first thing I want to talk about is the outer worlds. This game came out very recently, and it's by the company called Obsidian. They're responsible for the original Fallout, uh, Fallout New Vegas, and a bunch of other titles. They tend to be pretty solid when it comes to role-playing games in general, and I've liked most of their titles. They do have one problem that I that kind of drives me crazy and I'll talk about that in a moment but before I do I want to mention that the outer worlds was a fantastic experience I didn't really go through it the way that you should have and I have a video up that shows my playthrough it only took six and a half hours and that should tell you that I did a lot of stuff wrong uh, first off there are tons of side quests uh, just plenty to do uh, a friend of mine is also playing the game and he has uh, spent two and a half hours just on the first planet, and he is nowhere near getting done. If you don't play it the way I did, you will have plenty of content. Uh, the developers said that their script was longer than War and Peace, so plenty of dialogue. And all of the characters that you encounter have voices, only your character does not. And so in that way, it feels a lot like Fallout 3. Uh, you do get to make your own character, which is awesome, and... All around, I have to say that if you like role-playing games, you should probably be trying The Outer Worlds. There's a bunch of ways you can do it. If you have an Xbox, then you could get Game Pass, and right now Game Pass is $1 for the first month, so you could be playing The Outer World for a single dollar. Uh, if you want it on PC, Game Pass is $4.99 a month, and they also have the $1 uh, deal. Uh, that's how I played the game. I think it would have been worth $60 easily. There's no reason not to have spent that kind of money on it because it is that high quality. Uh, the graphics are great. The system is great. The skills are neat. They have a whole bunch of really cool little features here and there. A great example is um, I was just huffing <laughs> the health packs, which are basically you put this gas mask looking thing over your nose and mouth and your character breathes it in and that heals you. And I used so many of them that the game actually pops up a, a screen and it says drug addiction. You've used so many drugs that you can now take this as a disadvantage. You'll instantly gain a perk, but you'll have these disadvantages if you don't maintain your uh, drug use. Uh, it's happened with robots. It happened with heights. It's really amazing how many little things they put into it. Now, let's talk about my playthrough and why it was so quick. First off, I do have the entire playthrough up on YouTube, so I'll have that link down in the description of the podcast. What happened was, I was walking through the beginning of the game, and I'll, I'll really try not to do any spoilers here, but the first authority figure kind of talked some trash to me, and then we got through that, and they turned around, and they went away, and I just, I just shot them just to see what happened, and they died, and I was like, oh my goodness. Well, that's interesting. Most of these games wouldn't necessarily let you kill someone like that. So I continued playing, and then I ran into this guy who was just kind of annoying, so I shot him. And I thought, oh, it didn't work, because he was both a quest giver and a potential companion. But it just turned out he was really tough, and I ended up killing him too. And I'm like, oh my goodness, can you really do this to anybody? Well, killing him incited the entire town, so I ended up fighting everybody. And not only did the game acknowledge that later, but it allowed it to happen. And a whole bunch of important NPCs were just taken out of the equation. 
So anytime someone asked me, hey, can you do me a favor? You're going that way anyway. I'd say no. And if they pressed, I'd, I'd shoot them. So my playthrough is basically the biggest jerk in the universe playthrough. And the fact that you could do that, that you could essentially, I don't want to necessarily say ruin the experience because I did have a lot of fun. It was very funny. It's kind of like playing a Sith character in the Old Republic. You're just a complete ass. And it was still neat to do it that way. Now I'd like to go back and play it the proper way, the way I wanted to. But this leads me to what I consider to be Obsidian's problem. In Fallout 3, obviously they didn't develop that one, your character literally starts out being born and you make up what your character's gonna look like. And then it fast forwards a few times so that you play as a toddler and then as a, a younger child, a teenager, and then finally when you take control and leave the, the vault. So you have this deep-rooted connection to the world at large, and you have a family, you have friends, you have people you know, and they really establish who your character was in the past. And I mean, you have some choices during that time to sort of shape how you're going to be at the end, but ultimately they planned for you to really be part of the world. With Fallout New Vegas, you're just sort of a, a side thought at the end of the description of what's going on. They say, you're a courier, and the place that you work for exists in the game. In fact, you can go back to it. Now, I recognize that your character has been shot in the face and had some reconstructive surgery, but you don't even have the opportunity to say anything about that. You can't go back to your former employers and say, hey, it's me, guys. Sorry, I've been missing. Uh, it's just you have no connection to the world prior to the game starting. And the Outer World is similar in that regard. They do have a great explanation for it because you're part of a colony that's been lost, so there's not really much needed in that regard. But I really feel like they could have spent another 10 minutes to really establish why you were going to the colony. Uh, what was your motivation? Do you know the people? Do you have some connection to them? Because the fate of those people kind of rests on your shoulders, as you find out at the very beginning of the game. And if you don't establish any connection, then all the options that basically make the game more convenient are the ones that would make the most sense. Because the way that it starts, it feels like you don't know any of these people, and you owe them nothing. And that kind of sucks. So I really feel like Obsidian needed to do a better job of rooting my character in at least the past world, if not the new one, because obviously I'm supposed to pave my own way as we go forward. And I would have liked to see my character have more of a purpose and more uh, connection to everything going on. Uh, beside that, uh, they did simplify armor. For example, you just wear, um, you basically have two slots. One is a helmet and one is um, uh, a whole suit. Uh, you can carry up to four weapons. Uh, they're, they're a little generic, to be honest. I did find some named weapons here and there, but for the most part, I used the Light Pistol Mark I until I found a, Mark, a Light Pistol Mark II. Uh, and then they have some energy weapons, and they have some melee gear and that sort of thing. They also have a form of VATS. I can't actually remember what it's called, but what it does instead of... Well, in VATS, it didn't really pause the game, because they were still moving, you could just target specific parts. Uh, I suppose for legal reasons, they couldn't have you 
specifically target and show a percentage chance to hit them but you can still aim at certain places and the game will tell you if you hit them in the face they'll be blinded if you hit them here blah 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 that kind of thing ultimately it feels so much like fallout 3 new vegas that i'm i'm stunned they even got away with it it's like they just used the exact same engine somehow now maybe they licensed it i don't know i couldn't find any information either way but if you liked those games the way they felt, then you're going to love The Outer Worlds because it's really just a slightly improved version of those. As far as sci-fi games go, it does allow you to hop around to different planets, which is super nice because I'm really sick of sci-fi games ending up on one planet like Wildstar or things like that where you just you have spaceships, but you never go anywhere. The Outer Worlds doesn't do that. You do get your own spaceship and you can do stuff. Uh, the characters are very colorful. I think all around, I have to give The Outer Worlds five stars out of five because it's just, it's the single player game that I think people have wanted. Had it allowed me to root my character more, I would have liked it more. But that one small thing does not detract from the achievement that Obsidian has uh, has found here it's it's really good and in the wake of the fallout 76 fiasco where they suddenly decided to charge for that piece of crap uh this even looks more attractive so if you haven't tried it already there's really no reason not to and again if you have a pc capable of running it or uh an xbox then you could be playing for less than 20 dollars uh right away and so definitely no reason not to give it a shot the outer world's it's absolutely worth your time. The next thing I want to talk about is all the stuff I've done that is currently available on the coffee site. Uh, I've posted a considerable amount of content, and when I started looking at it the other day, it became obvious that it was way too hard for people who were brand new to get into the stuff because they'd have to filter through just tons of posts, you know, trying to uh, produce a book in a serialized format means that I put up two or three chapters of the book and then maybe a couple audiobook chapters and then some artwork. And now all of a sudden when I put up the next piece of that serial, it is intermixed with a whole bunch of other stuff. And Coffee doesn't quite have a, a good way to organize things yet. They don't have pages that I can use to put them all in their own place. So I created a website um, on the Society Case Files website that essentially is an index and it allows you to get access to the stuff through the coffee site but in an organized manner. So for a good example, I posted The Cat Who Pod the Cultist over the course of almost two months as we were recording it. Now it is scattered throughout the coffee site. So if you wanted to listen to it, you'd have to start at the very beginning and then kind of have to root through to find each of the chapters. So I really didn't like that, and I wanted to make it as easy as possible for people to consume the things, especially if they're going to become supporters. Uh, so what I did was I made this uh, site. And right now, if you went there and looked at the Cat Who Pod the Cultist audiobook, you'd find that there are two columns, and each of the chapters is a hot link that leads back to the coffee site. Uh, the first chapter, of course, is free, but after that, you have to be a supporter to listen to that particular chapter. And right now, the products that are available are the Glamour and Shadows radio drama episodes 1 and 2. They're both available to listen to. Uh, the Zombie Girlfriend CD along with several other songs are available. 
Uh, you can listen to those right now. There's a couple of cover songs that will be up there, as well as tracks from my new CD, Eternity. Then there are the audio short stories that I produced and put in that special edition of the podcast that some of you may have heard. Right now, the three pieces are The Unnameable, The Diary of a Madman, and The Telltale Heart, but I anticipate putting quite a few more up there, and uh, my wife will be contributing as well, so you can look forward to that. You have access to the comics gallery. Right now, there is Decadence Lost, Blood Rites, and the Doctor Who crossover. That's not finished, but it's on the way. And as soon as Coffee includes the comic book update that they talked about, I'll post all of the Hestia Chronicles stuff and the Forever Always and Never will be up there too. Uh, there's a link to the podcasts if you want to listen to them on SoundCloud instead of whatever other platform you prefer. If you prefer to stay with iTunes, then ignore that link. There is the Blind Corruption Serial. Uh, right now, that's up to Chapter 15. Uh, and there are a grand total of 30 chapters in an epilogue, so you do have access to half the book right now. The next thing on here is the Crescendo serialized version. Uh, six of those chapters are available out of 30 plus an epilogue. Uh, that's a young adult dystopian sci-fi book that I have uh, I've talked about briefly before. The Night Player's audiobook is available in its entirety, and you can get to that link up there as well uh, creative spark audiobook available in its entirety star power i just started doing that so there's only a couple of chapters available right now but i will be adding them as soon as they're done and i'm going to be posting the drown the heart audiobook and nightlife interrupted will be following shortly there is an absolute ton of material uh, there's also all of the artwork and stuff. You could just scroll through that on the coffee site. That's always free. I, I really hope that you take the time to hop over and check out what's available because this is probably the most cost-effective way to absorb a lot of my content. Obviously, audiobooks normally cost $20 a piece from Audible, and books cost anywhere from a buck to three bucks, so you're kind of getting you're paying for a little bit more if that's all you're interested in but you are reading them before they even come out and you're reading them as i edit and get it ready so it's kind of a fun way to go you also have access to all these other just small things like the music and the short stories that we're reading and the audiobooks specifically so if you are at all interested in urban fantasy horror science fiction uh, comics, books, this is a great way to absorb what I've been creating. And I have so much stuff, and I'm really happy to continue putting it up there. I just would love to share it with more folks. So hop over to the coffee site, become a supporter, and just grab everything you can and listen to it. It's really cool. Share it with other people. I'd really appreciate it. So uh, thank you for letting me give a quick plug about my own material for a few minutes here. I really appreciate it. We're going to move on to the next topic now. So I made no secret about my feelings concerning Ghost Recon Breakpoint, and I certainly didn't uh, mince words when I talked about the um, Division 2. So today, when I saw an article from one of the, uh, I think it was Kotaku, talking about how Ubisoft was uh, quite frank with their investors about the failure behind Breakpoint, and how they're going to take a step back on how they develop. I felt a little bit of vindication, but I was also sad. 
some of the things they said were straight out of what I sent them as feedback. So I'm obviously they figured it out without me, but I just I just like the fact that I was capable of of articulating the things that they also saw. Uh, it made me feel a little bit better as my uh, in my role as a critical observer and uh, somebody who tries to create meaningful uh, reviews for people to to listen to and read. But all around, it seems that Ubisoft is going to be taking a step back from their current development style, and they're going to even delay some of their big titles coming out to ensure that they are the quality that they're looking for. Uh, there's a lot of stuff they could have done to make Breakpoint better, especially considering how much it's like The Division 2, but not enough like it to be good, per se. Uh, the Division 2, a lot of people liked that game, so I'm not sure why they felt that one was bad. I guess that they were just concerned that it was a bit underwhelming as far as reviews and revenue were concerned, and I could see that for sure because... Yeah, I mean, I despise that game, and it's it's crazy how much I disliked it. I could see them approaching it differently now as a result, but, you know, for the most part, I think Ubisoft is going to pull it together and get this done right. What sucks for them is that this was like the first month of their new subscription service, and it begins with a sort of whimper in the sense that Breakpoint was supposed to flagship that service and essentially it just came out flat so i do feel bad for them because i've loved so many of their games in the past and the fact that this one just well especially considering that i looked so forward to it after how awesome wildlands was this one just depressed me in a lot of ways and i'm really i'm really rooting for them to come out ahead at the end and turn this around but you know, right now we're looking at uh, a couple of games that were supposed to be coming out. I think um, Watch Dogs Legion, and I'm not sure what else they're delaying. But um, I never liked the Watch Dogs games anyway, so that wasn't even on my radar. I I didn't like the first one when melee attacks were not an option, <laughs> even though you've got that stick running around uh, or getting stuck on a rock that's not even the you know, high enough to block your ankle. There's just so many little things about that game I didn't like. There's some some neat innovations, but for the most part, I just wasn't a fan. Uh, I guess we'll see. We'll see in the next few months what happens with Ubi, and if they do correct Breakpoint, they did commit to doing so in the article, or at least it seemed that way to me, as they were going to go back and evaluate their development process and see what they could do to fix it. I, I kind of have some faith in them. They did do some pretty neat updates for Wildlands over the course of its lifetime. So um, we'll see. I'll be keeping an eye on it, and I'm sure many other people will as well. Although at this point, there are so many things to play, and there's so many other avenues to get your games. I'm not sure that it's going to matter too much to most people, other than, you know, the sense that we love particular franchises, whether it be Rainbow Six or Ghost Recon, The Division, Assassin's Creed, watchdogs that kind of thing you know we're kind of in an age where indie developers are doing things that are so cool and unique that it makes it hard to care too much about triple a titles especially when there's so many stupid controversies going on i just saw that there's a big boycott about call of duty because of microtransactions and then there's people wondering if uh, jedi fallen order is going to 
uh, screw over EA because it'll prove to them that their stupid multiplayer microtransaction business model is uh, not the grail they've been trying to tell us. I don't know. I'm I'm focusing more on the smaller companies these days. Uh, Obsidian is considered a double A title. I just read, uh, but you know, there's a maybe you guys have heard of the game Oxenfree. Uh, the people who made that are about to come out with a game called After Party, and that looks great. I'll put a link below to check that out. And um, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw was just a labor of love, and it's beautiful, and it was super fun. So right there, there's just there's too many titles that are coming out from folks that aren't those big studios that are super fun and don't have the baggage of EA or Activision or Ubisoft or whoever else, because... Let's face it, every time Ubisoft puts something out, we think back to some of their buggy adventures like Assassin's Creed Unity or whatever, you name it. They've got they've got bugs down, just like Bethesda did. Now we've got Bethesda, and I should have included them earlier, uh, with their own problems trying to charge for Fallout 76. $100 a year for a game that's already kind of abandoned? It was nuts. I don't even know what they're doing. And the videos I watched pretty much called them out in that way. It's it's funny that they thought that would work or that anybody would care enough to jump on that. But anyway, I mean, the gaming world is a very interesting one. Just like everything else, it's changing dramatically. We've got these subscription services that I still don't necessarily know that anyone is aware of what's going to happen to the quality of titles that fall under those subscription services. A long time ago, when I worked on the casual game, The Clockwork Man we were able to charge a fairly decent amount for it. I think that it came out at $20 to buy it. And I mean, let's be fair, it was only a two and a half, three hour long game. But then Big Fish started offering all casual games for a ridiculously low rate. I think it was $4.99 to $6.99, depending on the title. And in a sense, that kind of killed developers. And we couldn't compete with that, considering how much it cost to create the game we're doing uh, hand painted items for the hidden objects and voice talent and writing and everything else it just added up to the point where you couldn't make a profit at such a low a low price point uh, at least that company couldn't at the time and so many of the cooler titles were being bought up by the different developers or the big publishers so that they could just take the IP and then pump those games out sort of on their own uh, salaried people or however they were doing it. And then they'd still they'd still make money, but these individual uh, independent studios had to move on and find something else to do. And I sort of feel like AAA games might turn in that direction as well. I mean, we're already talking about the fact that I played The Outer Worlds for a dollar. And... I mean, let's be honest, even if I had to pay the $4.99, I could probably get through two or three playthroughs in a month if I had the amount of time necessary to do so, and then cancel my service and still have only paid $5 for a game that's otherwise 60 Now, granting the fact that PlayStation owners still have to pay for full price, that still means that two-thirds of the gamers out there can get the game for less than $20. And that's if you didn't have the deal where you could have one month for a dollar. Is the future going to be like Breakpoint? Are we going to see titles that are just lackluster? Or are we going to see a smaller scale rollout? In other words, 
sort of like the Telltale games. You get episode one, maybe it's three to five hours of gameplay, and then some sort of grindy thing to do to buy some time for another month. And then you get episode two, and so on and so forth. And so they piecemeal out the game. They basically maybe even charge you an upfront cost, maybe 20 bucks to get into the game. And then over the course of a year, you get the whole title through a subscription service. Game as a service is is what the big thing is. Sort of MMO style. Are all games going to become sort of MMO-like? They used to be. Although, if you think back to things like World of Warcraft, when they first came out, there was a finite amount of content that you could just drive through. Not necessarily super fast, but fast enough. At this point, it would take you a long time, but it's been over a decade. And that goes to the same with things like Star Trek Online. I just loaded that up again the other day, and I started playing it, and I I was actually very surprised at just how much stuff there is to do in it. But when it first came out, that wasn't the case. I could only get up to a certain level through the content available before I had to go out and grind patrols in order to level up any further. So at this point, that's not the case with many of those titles. And so I guess what we need to ask ourselves or ask the community or watch out for is that a game like destiny for example destiny 2 shadow keep they've been sort of piecemeal releasing uh releasing content over the course of the month of october since the game came out uh they released the vex offensive they released the raid then there's the new dungeon coming out and so on i mean they're they're doing it all in a month but They've got their season pass, and then you'll get more content after that. And I suspect they're going to just keep doing that until they can't with the engine. So is that how we're going to get games from now on? I don't know. I don't have the answer, but I really look forward to finding out. I don't mind that service so much. I prefer them to continually come out with things that are relevant and meaningful. My my style of play, I don't usually go back to DLC. So if they can keep me going the whole time if i have to put the game down i'm pretty much done with it i i bought the full season pass for assassin's creed odyssey and much as i love the game i still haven't done any of the dlc that i got with that season pass and i really should have i'm obviously a wasteful dumbass but it's there and i just i'm not compelled to go back because i moved on you know i'd go back and i would suck at the game now because i played so many other things it take me an hour just to remember how to play and all of the stuff that I'm missing. And then I'd have to start looking at my gear and figure out what's going on there. So uh, for me, I need the game to keep me going so that I can experience whatever they want me to experience later. And if they don't do that, then they kind of lose me and I have to move on to the next title. But my friend does call me the Locust Gamer. And it's kind of true. Not as true now as it used to be. I, I try to stick to one or two titles at a time. <laughs> But the the game-as-a-service model will work well for me. It may not work well for a lot of people, especially those who want to own their products. You know, they don't want to listen to music on Spotify, and they don't want to subscribe to a game service because they want to own the game and know that if I'm going to need two months off, I'm not paying for random stuff that I won't be using, and I want to be able to just come back to it no matter what. And I don't want to run the risk of the game disappearing from the subscription service or no longer being available. And I totally get that. That makes perfect sense. Uh, Just the other day, I was talking about my one anachronism 
that remains when it comes to online stuff is that if I get a check, I want to deposit it physically. I want to be there with the person, find out if there's any problems. I don't want to put it in a night drop. I don't want to deposit it on my phone. I just want to go in and deal with it. I just heard too many horror stories about it, so I just I just won't do it, and that's just me. But I get it. I get that we, a lot of us, especially anybody over the age of 35, sort of wants to have tangible things. The The fact that buying a disc of a game has become so secondary to just grabbing it digitally and installing it. I mean, there's that's one of many things. I mean, it, there's a lot of great reasons to have digital copies of your games and your stuff now. I mean, they can't be stolen. They can't be lost. They're always there. I find it far more convenient to just be able to grab a game. I'm still mad that it costs the same price as a physical copy. I think that's absurd, but you know, that's been the way it has been for a very, very long time now. So I don't know. Anyway, that that was a very long rant and tirade with lots of tangents. But uh, the overall point of all of that is that the gaming world has changed a lot. I think Ubisoft is feeling some of that pain. I know that EA is Activision. Definitely. They're all trying to sort of scramble around and figure out what to do next. The fact that they hired <laughs> psychiatrists and all the other people to find ways to get people to spend extra money in microtransactions, I don't know that that's really paying off for them now because microtransactions have become such a stigma in many ways. But if you just go on YouTube and start looking into some of these companies, so many people are posting videos just trash talking them big time and they have all kinds of great evidence and news articles to back them up we've got a lot to look forward to in the near future and i'm not sure that all of it is good or bad but it's definitely something to watch out for and i'm excited i'm excited to see how this pushes the gaming world and whether or not we will get a different type of AAA title or if they're going to have to fall back to the old school way of creating titles much like the witcher where they say hey you're getting what you pay for right off the bat here's the whole game enjoy it they've come out and said that cyberpunk is going to be the same way they even made a stab at the others when they their last line in their tweet was something to the effect of we leave greed to others it's clear that they are not fans of microtransactions so they're gonna avoid doing them I, I guess that ultimately it just comes down to how do these places want to do business? Would they like to find a way to just make a lot of money from selling a title rather than trying to slowly squeeze people for every little dime over the course of that game's life? I don't think people really want to play games for three to five years as much as they used to, but uh, that maybe I'm wrong. And if you have an opinion about that, please send me a comment. I'd love to discuss that further. But anyway, I think that's enough about my gaming news rant. Uh, let's move on to something else. The last thing I want to talk about today is Doctor Who. I went back and started watching the classic Doctor Who. I'm working my way through the Tom Baker seasons now. And uh, I'm up to season 13. And I have to say that I just love how even though the special effects are cheesy and some of the makeup is really, well, let's be honest, it's pretty bad. The core of the show itself doesn't feel that far off from the new Doctor Who stuff with David Tennant and uh, Matt Smith and all that. And while the special effects do continually get better through the season, I don't, I've not been distracted by it. I'm just loving it. And it still feels just like 
it could have been thrown out in 2007. Especially when they don't have to do special effects or makeup. If they can just do a straight story with, with normal-looking people, it works perfectly. It also really does great for me because these serials allow me to have the story feel more complete. Now, they do tend to rush the very end. Uh, like the last couple of seconds or minutes of an episode is pretty much, all right, we've got this done. See you late. We're out. And then it's, you know, credits. I wouldn't mind a little bit more closure on some of these, but pretty much it's not needed. Uh, the doctor has managed to save whoever he needed to save and stuff is pretty much resolved so they can go on to the next adventure. It's really fun. And I'm, I'm starting to pick up a lot of the little hints that we get in the new Doctor Who series where they do callbacks to the original because I've said it before I don't think you need to have seen the classic Doctor Who to really appreciate the new Doctor Who however having seen several of them I feel rewarded for having watched those older series uh, episodes they're on BritBox so if you haven't caught up with those before and you really want to see a whole bunch of classic Doctor Who uh, it's a it's a very cheap subscription service and one that I do recommend. They have a lot of great stuff, but honestly, I've only been using it for Doctor Who. The the Blu-ray versions, those are a little bit cost prohibitive in my opinion, even though they've updated the special effects sort of like the Star Trek original series. I'd love to see that, but I don't really want to spend the kind of money they expect to uh, to get those. And it's not even like a complete... It's not even the complete John Pertwee collection. It's the complete season of his. So you're really having to spend a lot of money to get all of them. It's not like the David Tennant box set I got that I talked about in a previous episode. It's a considerably larger investment to get the classic Doctor Who's on Blu-ray. These The, the quality from Brett Boxes is really good. So I don't I don't think you'd be disappointed. And honestly, the special effects aren't going to make a dramatic difference, in my opinion. Much like the original Star Trek one didn't change it significantly enough. It was more like I'd seen them all so many times already. It was just nice to see something new. And, and that's the extent of those special effects. And honestly, even now, those special effects look pretty terrible, even though they are updated from the 60s. In any event... If you do not have BritBox and you're really excited about trying to catch up on old classic Doctor Who, that's a great way to do it. They don't have some things. I had to buy Shada on uh, Amazon, which, by the way, was worth it. The animation, it was a little jarring, but I didn't mind it. I know a lot of people had some problems with it. But in order to tell that complete story, since uh, so much of the serial was lost, I'm totally good with them doing that animation to get it out. Because it was a great story. Uh, super fun. If you are a fan of Doctor Who, this is definitely the best way to try and catch up on some of the stuff that maybe you missed the first time. I certainly did. I wasn't alive when it started, and even when I was old enough to appreciate it, it wasn't really readily available enough to to watch it on television unless I was happening to catch it on a PBS telethon. And I didn't really watch those unless it was Red Dwarf or Black Adder back then. And even then, I didn't really get it, per se. That's uh, available, and it's totally worth it, and I'm having a blast. And I think that when I finish all of the original Doctor Who, I'm, I'm almost done with the new Doctor Who stuff. Once I've consumed it all, I don't even know what I'm going to do. Probably turn to Big Finish and listen to all the radio dramas next. Those are absolutely fantastic, too. And then 
maybe novels, I guess? I don't know. I did start a Society Case Files Doctor Who crossover comic, which is available on the coffee site to check out. But uh, my obsession with it is is not satiated yet. And I think that's pretty fun. I haven't really had something that I've been as big of a fan of since Dune. And Dune lost me with some of the uh, new books that Brian Herbert and Kevin Anderson were writing. I just, I, f- I finally walked away during some of the prequels, some of the later prequels. I just, they just, I don't know. I don't know what happened per se, but it, it did, it did lose me. Uh, the fact that I am still watching Doctor Who and just loving the heck out of it has really made me happy because I don't have a whole lot of fandom in me. I tend to be too critical to to latch on to anything this this tightly um and i don't really see losing it anytime soon especially with so much content left to consume i mean just just watching tom baker doesn't mean that i'm anywhere near getting towards the end of doctor who i have so much left to to get through that is also really awesome just a quick aside i was talking to someone the other day while we were getting something done out in the world and they were talking about how they grab onto these shows with 15, 16 seasons because they just want to have something that lasts forever. In their case, it was the medical shows, ER, Grey's Anatomy, NCIS, all those. And I have to say, I'm not really interested in that real world drama stuff. But the fact that Doctor Who has so much is just that's my version. And I'm really excited that uh, I maintain the passion for it. And even though in October we've been watching tons of scary movies, I've still found some time to to dip back into Doctor Who. We're going to pick up Peter Cabaldi probably in November and get through the rest of those before HBO takes it off of uh, Amazon. I'll be talking a lot more about Doctor Who in the future. So look forward to a lot more opinions about that and the future of Doctor Who as we get closer to the next season with Jodie Whittaker. Anyway, that's it for now. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you very much for listening to the show. I appreciate you stopping by. If you liked what you heard and you want to hear more, be sure to check out our website and keep track of the schedule. You can find us at www.societycasefiles.com or www.roberthazelton.com. Don't forget to follow or support the project at ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles. Thanks again. Have a great week.